There are few things on earth that generate more conversation than wine. For many, the thirst for wine knowledge becomes an obsession, and it's hard to imagine that anyone has fully ingested all there is to know about the world's most revered beverage. We all know people who are passionate about sharing that knowledge and their opinions about wine. But we find an awful lot of the conversations about wine pretty hard to swallow. Welcome to Grape Encounters. Your host, David Wilson, his guests, and the rest of us on the team are here to show you a great time. How to have more fun with your wine. Where to enjoy wine the most. How to immerse yourself into a wine lifestyle that isn't simply about wine. So let's dive into this week's edition of Grape Encounters. Oh, you'll learn plenty, but hopefully it will be knowledge that you can really use. Not like that Latin class you took in high school. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. All right, well, if you're into wine, this is definitely your favorite time of the year. It certainly is mine. I have the privilege of living in wine country, and I have for, let's see, it's been about six years now, and everything is just buzzing. There is so much activity because harvest is upon us. But I've been reading a lot of stories and talking to a lot of winemakers and grape growers about this year's harvest because, you know, there's no question that over the past few years, weather has been wacky, especially here in California, and that can be good, that can be bad, and there's a lot of speculation going on about what kind of a year 2019 wines are going to be. I can't think of anybody that can be more enlightening and tell it to us straight than our longtime friend, Wes Hagen. He's the winemaker at Jay Wilkes, and he's the brand ambassador for the Miller Family Wine Company, and he's one of my best buds, too. We've grown up together on this show, Wes. We certainly have, David, and thank you so much for having me on Great Encounters. You're an institution here, and what's really funny is every time I have you on the show, I get letters from other people. I love that West guy. He's great, and I always tell him to just go online and Google you because there's a plethora of stuff even on YouTube that you do, and some of it is just so incredibly excellent. So there. Well, you know. Uh, wine is about passion. Wine is about bringing people together. And that takes us away from this thing where we're all on phones, not communicating. Wine is the solution for the for the digital age. Yeah, in, t- in two ways, right? <laughs> the solution. Anyway, there's a double entendre there, I'm sure. All right. Uh-huh. But you are involved with a lot of brands. And you have been a very prominent figure in certainly the Central Coast and California wine world. But beyond, you know, one of the things that it always always blows my mind about you is the work that you did co-authoring AVAs. And one of those is very significant in that it became the centerpiece for the movie Sideways, which has had so much influence on the wine industry. And that's the Santa Rita Hills AVA, right? That's right. And I like to say Sideways did for the Santa Rita Hills what the Soviet Union did for socialism. We were making great wine, but no one knew what we were doing to all of a sudden from going from feudalism to postmodernism really, really quick. And the nice thing about the Santa Rita Hills is we don't really hear too much about Sideways anymore, but we have all those fans that came up and visited us during those years, especially from Southern California, that have absolutely fallen in love with what we're doing up here in Santa Barbara County wine, not only in the Santa Rita Hills, but up in the Santa Maria Valley and all the other four ABAs that are really starting to click here in Santa Barbara County. It's interesting that there's still, to this day, 
a lot being written about what we call the sideways effect. Essentially what sideways effect means, for those who don't know, it's when a fictional character influences the lives of real people. And that really did happen. And there was a, a big impact on the people who were, were making Pinot Noir and people who were making Merlot. It wasn't just a little uptick for Pinot. It was a big one. And there was a, a lot of damage done to Merlot. The grape prices just plummeted, didn't they? Yeah, and I, yeah, they did. And what I would say, I don't call it damage to Merlot, but if you, it's sort of like, you know, when the stock market goes down, you buy. So, I mean, right. what used to be a $60 Merlot, you can buy some of the best Merlot in the world right now for $25 to $30. Yeah. And, you know, before Sideways, I remember you could buy a good ton of Pinot Noir fruit for about $3,000, which means you'd be making about a $30 bottle of wine. And now you're seeing Pinot Noir prices up where only Cabernet Sauvignon and Napa Valley and Sonoma. Uh, you know, and uh, some places were, you know, on, you know, you'd only see five thousand, six thousand dollar tons of Pinot Noir. So that means now that you know Pinot Noir that used to be thirty bucks is now sixty bucks, and Merlot that was sixty bucks is now thirty bucks. So what does that mean? Well, I love Pinot Noir, but if a world class Merlot is going for twenty five or thirty bucks, you know, you know, my money it. as a winemaker might go into be drinking more Merlot. So yeah. I've always been telling people jump in onto the Merlot before the prices go uh, all the way back up. I've been telling people that this really is the golden age of Merlot right now because if if people were making inferior Merlots. Those pretty much got ripped out, and yep. they used their land for something else. But the people who were making great Merlot, they even tightened up their game more. And yep. and I've never tasted Merlots as good as what are out there right now. All right, so but we're getting a little a little bit off topic. I, I wanted to focus for the entire show today on everything that happens around harvest. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that I think even really, really engaged wine enthusiasts don't really know or realize uh, that these things are going on. So we're going to we're going to open up the curtain, Wes, right? Cool. Yeah, you, oh, you, absolutely. You always tell it straight. I noticed that there was a lot of harvesting that began quite early, like mid-month last month. And it was a really weird year for weather because, uh, for one thing, it's been a very mild summer for the most part, but it was also a very wet spring, unusually so. So overall, what's your assessment of how that is going to influence the wines that are being made. And let's remember, by the way, that 90% of the domestically consumed wines in America come from California. Yeah, and I can speak to California with, with some amount of expertise. And I've been calling my friends all up and down the state, up in Napa, Sonoma. Um, and also I've been making, um, starting to make a little bit of wine out of Tassel Robles. We're starting to see a little bit of Viognier. Basically what I would say the overall right now, all, uh, all the way throughout California, we're seeing the cool regions picking out all their Pinot Grigio um, and the warm regions picking out all of their Sauvignon Blanc. So I would say Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Grigio is basically done in California for 2019. Early reports of, of quality is off the charts, very similar to 2018. Why? We had more rain than we had in 2018, but we had a year that was as cool or cooler then 2008, 2015, 2016, 2017, in order, were the earliest grape harvest we've ever had in California. The only difference was 17 was earlier than 16, which was earlier than 15. So we started wondering, is this the new normal? Are we going to have these warm, hot, inverted years where we had warm springs and, and, and warmer summers? And then all of a sudden, 
you know, uh, we, we get, um, we hardly even got into fall. Normally, September and October is the time when we earn our money as winemakers here. And I'm smack dab in the middle of we're basically done with in, in the Jay Wilkes world. We've brought in all of our Pinot Blanc. We've brought in about half of our Pinot Noir. We're going to be bringing in more Pinot Noir throughout the next two weeks. And we're not even going to start Chardonnay until October, which is unbelievable. Now, in Paso right now, where it's 20 degrees warmer on average uh, on any given day in summer, uh, looks like we're, we're in the middle of Chardonnay right now. So the idea that we got Chardonnay um, to ripen all the way into late September is pretty amazing. Um, they're talking about Zinfandel starting to come in a little bit and starting to come in in the next couple weeks, that the, the grapes, Zinfandel has a great capacity to dimple and the, the skins to lose a little bit of their quality. Uh, the Zinfandel is looking plump and the berries are full and the flavor is delicious. And we're seeing 23, 24, 25 bricks, which equates to making a wine between 13 and 15% alcohol. Um, starting to come in right now. The vines look fantastic. The vines aren't shutting down. The vines are happy and green, which gives us the ability to create flavor and the development and the evolution of flavor, not just sugar. Because I mean, you can pour sugar into a fermentation and get more alcohol, but to get flavor and color yeah. and expressiveness and deliciousness, you really need hang time. And we had plenty of hang time this year, plenty of rain this year. So I think the combination in California of really good rainfall and extraordinarily cool climate throughout these regions, and we can talk about each one of these regions. All right, well, let's let's hold that thought because we got to take a little break here. And my guest is Wes Hagen. He is the winemaker at Jay Wilkes, a wonderful, wonderful producer, and then brand ambassador to the Miller family uh, wine company. And I, I do want you to kind of go through th- those brands for us too when we come back. Okay, we'll be back with Wes in just a moment here on Grape Encounters. While most of us think about pairing wine with food, there are countless wine enthusiasts that would rather pair their wine with a great cigar. That's why your Total Wine & More store has an awesome walk-in humidor. Even if you're not a cigar aficionado, you've got to admit that nothing beats the smell inside that room. The moment you walk in, your brain begins to swirl with visions of a great Cabernet or perhaps a port that's been aging for decades. When you're done in the humidor, check out their temperature-controlled wine cellar. Better yet, plan your trip around one of Total Wine & More's awesome tastings or sign up for a class in their comfortable wine education room. Take your passion for the finer things in life to the next level at Total Wine & More. For a Total Wine & More store near you or to make purchases online, just surf your way to TotalWine.com. David will be back with more Grape Encounters in a couple of minutes, which means there simply isn't enough time for him to enjoy more than a sip or two of one of his faves. Oh, the sacrifices we make in the broadcasting business. Wine Experience's Founders Barrel Auction on Friday, August 23rd is an afternoon of elegance. Sample wine futures from Authentique Wine Cellars, Hewitt Cellars, Laurel Ridge Winery, Left Coast Estate, Russell Prayer Rock Vineyards, Stone Griffin Vineyard, Vulcan Cellars, plus many more. The action takes off as you bid on the opportunity to win a case or the whole barrel of Oregon's finest wines. Go to TheOregonWineExperience.com to purchase tickets. The Oregon Wine Experience, it's everything Oregon. In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine. 
When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia, her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Caria into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. At mmorganics.com in Paso Robles, California, Walnuts and Wine is the ultimate love story. You'll flip over their 100% organic port-style dessert wines and organic heirloom walnut products, including sprouted snacking walnuts in five awesome flavors, irresistible raw organic walnut butter, free trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com. Nestled right in between two world-class wine countries, Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the perfect gateway to nearly endless wine country adventures. Cozy and oh-so-friendly, make historic Atascadero home base for adventures to hundreds of surrounding wineries, the nearby Pacific, and magical Hearst Castle, plus an amazing array of attractions from ziplining to delectable dining. Discover all that affordable Atascadero has to offer at visitatascadero.com. Welcome back to Grape Encounters Radio, broadcasting from our Central Coast Wine Country studio in idyllic Atascadero, California. Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine & More, America's largest independent retailer of fine wine. They carry more than 8,000 different wines from every wine-producing region in the world and offer an equally monumental selection of beer and spirits. Here's David. All right, we're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and today it's everything that you want and need to know about harvest. This is a time where places like where I live are just absolutely bustling with activity. And it's not just, by the way, activity that pertains to picking the grapes and getting them in and all that. There's a lot of harvest festivals going on, and activities everywhere. In fact, it's uh, California Wine Month, and you ought to check out the website for uh, the Wine Institute. They list all of the things that are going on. So it's a lot of fun. And speaking of a lot of fun, he's always a gas. It is Wes Hagen. He was one of my very first guests when we started. Now we're looking at almost 11 years ago. He is the winemaker for Jay Wilkes. He is the brand ambassador for the Miller Family Wine Company. And he is a guy that is so well-respected in the industry. He's everybody's go-to guy. So there you go, Wes. Certified genius. Oh, careful, careful. Don't feed the ego. Yes. The Stephen Hawking's of wine. That's a very nice thing to say. Okay. All right. Hey, listen, just while we were literally, while I was delivering that introduction, I had an alert pop up on my screen here. And this is pretty interesting stuff. You ready? Sure. So Wine Enthusiast Magazine has been for 20 years naming the wine region of the year. Any guesses, Wes? They just announced it just now. Or was it Sonoma? It was Sonoma. I think I saw something about this this morning. So congratulations, Uh, Sonoma. You make amazing wine. You know what? I I love Sonoma County just because it's a lot like our our county in a way because it's a lot less pretentious than other places that shall remain nameless. But no, it's just a a really folksy down-home place and 
I, I really love the people there, and I love the wines from there. And you're a Pinot guy, and I just love those Russian River Pinots. I don't know. Are you a fan of those? I really am. You know, I know that, you know, sideways, even though uh, Santa Maria and Santa Rita Hills were, the prices also were influenced by the popularity of Pinot Noir. Um, Sonoma produces probably the most expensive Pinot Noirs in the new world. Um, but they also produce a lot of wines uh, that aren't that expensive. So, uh, you know, whenever I have an opportunity to go through uh, a tasting of Sonoma Pinot Noir, I love to see what they're doing up there. I do think that they're probably making the best Pinot Noirs and Chardonnays in the new world. So I do consider them sort of up there, you know, in my as my models for what uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay can do in the new world, whether we're talking Russian River, Sebastopol, Santa Rosa or out in what I like to call the real Sonoma Coast. Um, they're making amazing wines, and I love to taste those wines and to see what, uh, you know, where my wines fall, you know, in the quality spectrum of all those wonderful, wonderful vintages. The thing that I really want to encourage wine uh, drinkers or enthusiasts uh, to, to make sure they do is drink as much and try as much Sonoma wine as you, you possibly can. People don't think of Sonoma as quickly as they think of Napa, and I don't want to draw a comparison because I love the wines from Napa. I love the wines from all of the regions in, in California. Really, truly, I do. But I think that the continuity that I see in Sonoma is really off the charts in terms of just generally making very good wines and not a lot of stinkers. Whereas in other regions, you know, the range of wines can be a lot broader in terms of what we would call quality. That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, there's consistency coming out of Sonoma that's born also on two or three extra generations of wine growing up there. Like when, you yeah, know, exactly. the, you know, Santa Barbara is making amazingly consistent wines for how long we've been doing it. But let's just let's just back up the, you know, back up the truck 100 years in Sonoma and say, you know, pre-prohibition winemaking two and three generations deep, and then post-prohibition another three or four generations. So, you know, while Santa Barbara really came up in the 60s, um, Sonoma, may, you could argue, was coming up in the 1860s when California was only 10 or 15 years old. Yeah, here's what, so, here's, here's what uh, Carissa Cruz has to say about that. She's the president of the Sonoma County Wine Growers, and yeah. she says, Sonoma County is a truly special place with its multi-generational family grape growers and vintners who are committed to sustainability, supporting our local community, and preserving agriculture for the next generation. And that's, no, that's so true. And I think that's what you're talking about. So Not only that, but I, I want to say by 2030, all Sonoma wine growing and wine making is going to be 100% sustainable. That's fantastic, huh? Yeah. I mean, I mean, say what you will about, you know, do you think that, you know, the world needs uh, to focus on sustainability? Even if they don't, it's not going to do anything bad to keep our agricultural land sustainable for further generations. I mean, even if you think everything with climate change, is, you know, is completely uh, wrong. There's nothing wrong with taking care of it and supporting well, brands that take care of stuff. Absolutely. And um, I have a lot of opinions on that. We got to do a show on that sometime. But I, I did have on recently, and I just love her to death because she's had, she's a really awesome person, but she's also had so much to do with the incredible uh, amount of acreage that is now sustainable in California. And that's Allison Jordan from the Wine Institute. And she, yeah. she oversees that whole program. And Man, she does a fantastic job. So anyway, hats off to her. Hats off. Congratulations, Sonoma. That's good. Yeah. You deserve it. That's a whole wide world, Sonoma. We're not just talking about California. So good for you. And, uh, and we, of course, have uh, had it here in the Central Coast as well. 
that award. So uh, just uh, it just speaks to the quality of California wine. Mm-hmm. Let's go back for a second, Wes, to um, something that you were saying in the last segment that really caught my attention, which you know, it sounds like some grapes were coming in really early and some have been really stalled. Why is it both sides of the spectrum? I don't get that. I think I think you may have misunderstood me because generally Pinot Grigio and Sauvignon Blanc are always the first grapes to come in. Rosé grapes. Oh, okay. When you're making rosé um, to basically um, in, in the type of rosé that I like to make when you're picking rosé early at about the same level that you would pick red grapes for champagne, yeah. about 12% uh, potential alcohol or about 20 to 21% sugar by volume in the grape. Okay. This is absolutely normal for Sauvignon Blanc to come in August and, and September. Sometimes, I mean, in 14, 15, 16, and 17, uh, we were seeing um, some rosé, some Sauvignon Blanc, and even some Pinot Grigio being harvested at the end of August. Not even in September. Even I've even heard about some stuff in July. So, again, you want that hang time. You want that extra time for the grapes to hang and develop flavor and not just sugar. You don't want the sugar to go through the roof and the, and the, and the flavor profile to really lag behind. You want the, okay. uh, the convergence of full ripeness and moderate sugar to come together. Uh, all right. Well, so I, I have just a second, though. So I, I want to just simply ask you this. Is it generally better for uh, a harvest to be delayed by Mother Nature? Do we like that better in general? As long as the delay is not from rain. As long as the delay is a result of conditions that allow the grapes to continue to develop flavor and character. And that means cool climate, like a, a cooler year. So we want a slow buildup. We don't want those heat spikes anywhere if we can hold them off. Normally the heat spikes in the Central Coast come in September and October. And here's something that will blow a lot of the minds of your listeners. In the Santa Maria Valley where I live and I grow and make most of the wine here at Jay Wilk, we have had only two days in 2019 over 85 degrees. That is amazing. Hey, listen, we're going to have to take a break here. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters. And my guest, Wes Hagen, right after this. Summertime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. If you're topping off your burger with grilled onions and blue cheese, pair your work of art with a spicy Malbec. Nothing beats a buttery Chardonnay with grilled corn on the cob. I'm ready to find you the perfect bottle of white for your next get-together. Pack up the cooler for this weekend. We've got canned wine and beer ready to throw on ice. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this summer at Total Wine & More. Cheers! I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the wines of Peak Ranch. I recently discovered these truly amazing wines that are raking in top honors from the wine press. What I didn't initially realize is that I had a very strong connection to these perfectly crafted Pinots, Syrahs, Chardonnays, and more. Remarkably, these wines are produced by my very best friend from the first grade, John Wagner. Now, I have to say that John has always one-upped me in almost everything he does, and these extraordinary wines are no exception. Made from grapes grown on one of California's most historic Central Coast properties, there is no other word to describe them than perfect. Peak Ranch is doing everything right. Amazing wines that will absolutely astound you. Buy them online at peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com. 
Savor Oregon's finest wines at the Oregon Wine Experience's Grand Tasting on Sunday, August 25th. Work your way through the tasting tables and enjoy an array of delicious culinary bites. Don't miss this special opportunity to sample wines from all corners of Oregon in one unique location. The wine pours start at 2 p.m. Plan your experience today. Go to theoregonwineexperience.com to purchase tickets. The Oregon Wine Experience, it's everything Oregon. Summertime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. If you're topping off your burger with grilled onions and blue cheese, pair your work of art with a spicy Malbec. Nothing beats a buttery Chardonnay with grilled corn on the cob. I'm ready to find you the perfect bottle of white for your next get-together. Pack up the cooler for this weekend. We've got canned wine and beer ready to throw on ice. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this summer at Total Wine & More. Cheers! I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the wines of Peak Ranch. I recently discovered these truly amazing wines that are raking in top honors from the wine press. What I didn't initially realize is that I had a very strong connection to these perfectly crafted Pinots, Syrahs, Chardonnays, and more. Remarkably, these wines are produced by my very best friend from the first grade, John Wagner. Now, I have to say that John has always one-upped me in almost everything he does, and these extraordinary wines are no exception. Made from grapes grown on one of California's most historic Central Coast properties, there is no other word to describe them than perfect. Peak Ranch is doing everything right. Amazing wines that will absolutely astound you. Buy them online at peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com Savor Oregon's finest wines at the Oregon Wine Experience's Grand Tasting on Sunday, August 25th. Work your way through the tasting tables and enjoy an array of delicious culinary bites. Don't miss this special opportunity to sample wines from all corners of Oregon in one unique location. The wine pours start at 2 p.m. Plan your experience today. Go to theoregonwineexperience.com to purchase tickets. The Oregon Wine Experience, it's everything Oregon. Summertime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Nothing beats beers and burgers. And with so many to choose from, we've got the perfect cold one waiting for you. Serving up salads at your cookout this weekend? Add a dry rosé to the table for a perfect pairing. When I'm the barbecue grill master, I've got to have a cold lager in my hand. Hey, grab me another. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this summer at Total Wine & More. Cheers! Nestled right in between two world-class wine countries, Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the perfect gateway to nearly endless wine country adventures. Cozy and oh-so-friendly, make historic Atascadero home base for adventures to hundreds of surrounding wineries, the nearby Pacific, and magical Hearst Castle, plus an amazing array of attractions from ziplining to delectable dining. Discover all that affordable Atascadero has to offer at visitatascadero.com. I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the wines of Peak Ranch. I recently discovered these truly amazing wines that are raking in top honors from the wine press. What I didn't initially realize is that I had a very strong connection to these perfectly crafted Pinots, Syrahs, Chardonnays, and more. Remarkably, these wines are produced by my very best friend from the first grade, John Wagner. 
Now, I have to say that John has always one-upped me in almost everything he does, and these extraordinary wines are no exception. Made from grapes grown on one of California's most historic Central Coast properties, there is no other word to describe them than perfect. Peak Ranch is doing everything right. Amazing wines that will absolutely astound you. Buy them online at peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com. Today's edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine and More. The first time that I ever went to a Total Wine and More store, it was about a decade ago, and I thought I had died and gone to heaven. And the best part of it was that I was very much alive. It's the ultimate place to fulfill all of your wine, beer, and spirit needs. For a Total Wine and More store near you, visit TotalWine.com. All right, it's the home stretch on Grape Encounters Radio and talking to my go-to expert. Whenever I have a question, I want a straight answer. I'm going to get it, and I'm going to get a lot of detail. In fact, I'm going to get so much detail when I throw a question at Wes Hagen, the winemaker at Jay Wilkes, and also the brand ambassador for the very, very prestigious and deeply respected Miller Family Wine Company. And uh, Wes, i got two questions for you before we go, again, pertaining to harvest. Sure. You were just talking a few minutes ago about how promising this vintage 2019 looks, at least here in California. But I rarely hear about California wines. It was a bad year. You know, you don't really hear that much. But when you get over to Europe, it's a completely different story because they've got, I guess, much broader fluctuations. And I guess there's more things that are preying on the success of their harvest than we have here. Is that a fair estimation? It's an incredibly fair estimation. Whenever I feel like making wine is difficult, I remind myself I'm in one of the easiest Mediterranean climates ever in the history of wine growing to make great vintages and make great wine. When we say we have a difficult vintage, it is so much easier than uh, a vintage in Italy or France or Spain or, or Portugal. There's so much vintage variation because of that continental climate. They can have rain, hail, there's, you know, bugs that we don't have to deal with, there's labor issues that we don't have to deal with, there's EU stuff that they they have to deal with, and and constantly uh, changing things. So how lucky we are to live in the promised land. Do you know what the headline for the New York Times was the day that they finished the Continental Railroad and nailed in the, the golden spike? It said... California annexes the United States. And it's because California has always been the place we dream about. And there's a reason. It's beautiful weather. The sun always shines. And this year, we've had such blessed weather that this long, cool growing season that we've had in 2019, I think really, we're going to know how good the wine is going to be when we taste the 2018 because of how similar the vintage is. And then you're going to have right after the 2018, you're going to be so excited about the wines, bam, you're going to get the 2019s to carry that delicious, long, cool growing season and what it provides in the bottle and in the glass and uh, putting it in our mouth and how delicious it will be. We'll have two back-to-back vintages and the yields will be pretty good. So we won't have to hopefully raise the prices. So you're going to see moderately priced, absolutely delicious wines coming out of California, not only in 2018, but also in 2019. Okay, so here's, here's my second question, having to do with maybe a, a unique and exciting vintage that's maybe different than prior years. A guy like you, I'm going to call you a craft winemaker, you 
are very tuned in to letting the grapes speak for themselves. And if they've got one characteristic or another, you want to hone in on what is positive about these grapes that are in this tank and go with the grape versus there are, and I'm not saying this as a criticism, but there are companies that make huge amounts of wine and their fan base wants those wines to taste consistent year in and year out. And so there's a lot of tricky stuff that they got to do, not necessarily bad, but the stuff they got to do to keep it consistent. Is that a big challenge for them in a year like this where you know, we've got some unusually great fruit that's being picked off the vines. It actually must feel uncomfortable to think that I've got to keep this wine the same when I've got an opportunity here to maybe make something that's unique and exciting. Am I making sense there? You are. And I think vintage is the word. Vintage represents a time and a place. If it's a 67 Corvette, it's going to be different than a 69 Corvette. Right. Things change a little bit every year in a car, every year in clothes, every year in fashion, and the same is true with wine. So wine is both gestalt, it's bigger than the parts that go into it, but it also is absolutely quantum in the sense it represents a time and a place. So a time, the time and place in 2019 is going to be a very special, special moment. What about those big producers? I've said this numerous times that, you know, a Kendall Jackson Chardonnay, you're out of town, that's what the shop is offering. That's a good wine. It's tasty. It's going to be even easier. And I was just hanging out with the winemaker that makes the Mondavi Coastal and some of those Kendall Jackson wines as well. You know what? There's something really, really special and easy about a year like this. Now, some years, and I'm not saying this is a Kendall Jackson or a uh, or something with with Mondavi, because they make amazing wines and they've always been especially Mandavi, during the years where everyone was making the big high-alcohol wines, they suffered in The Spectator because they followed Robert's vision of making delicious, balanced table wine. And they wouldn't put the extra ripeness and some of the ingredients that other winemakers were making to get the high scores. They followed their passion and their love to make table wines. Now, these huge producers that are fighting varietal wines at $5 or $10 at the supermarket, yeah, sometimes those people are using extracts and, and oak tea and doing stuff in tank that's a little odd that we wouldn't call artisanal or we wouldn't call craft. But at the same time, in years like this, those winemakers are stoked because they're not going to have to. Oh, use I see. Okay. You know, that's a, that's, you make a really super good point there. I hadn't even thought of it that way. And I will say that I don't take any particular position about additives to wine. It's nobody's pouring poison into wine. And, and it really all comes down to do you love what you're drinking and is it a good value for you? And, right. and if that's the case, then that's fine. I mean, sometimes I just like an ice cold Coca Cola. And exactly. good, good, good grief. What's in that? I don't know. I have no idea. Hey, Wes, we are out of time, but I wanted to just take a really quick second second here. Run down the brands under the Miller family umbrella. And I'll start from the highest quality to price ratio, which means the wines that offer the best value. For about $12 nationwide, we have the Ballard Lane wines, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Zinfandel, Cabernet. Beautifully expressive wines made by Richard Shelton, who came to us from Costa Brown. Yes, Costa Brown, you know, winemaking at $12 price point. The wines are amazing. The Barrel Burner wines made by Clay Brock, Chardonnay, Cabernet, about 15 bucks, Amazing. Then you have the Jay Wilkes wines. The Jay Wilkes wines are going to be between $15 and $30 in the, in, in the broad market. Pinot Blanc, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Cabernet. And then we have Smashberry, which is a blended red wine. So delicious. Merlot, so good. Oh, it's delicious. Uh, wonderful wine. Yeah, it's just a, that's a fun wine. That's a fun. And that's it. That's, that's it. it. Yeah. It's All right. Smashberry, Ballard Lane, 
Jay Wilkes and uh, Barrel Burner. All right. And if uh, people want to follow you, what's the easiest way to do that? Well, they can uh, go uh, either to my Facebook or to my Twitter or it's at Wes Hagen, W-E-S-H-A-G-E-N. And they can uh, go to the website, jaywilkes.com or millerfamilywinecompany.com. And they can send me an email directly if they want to come to Santa Barbara or out to the Central Coast or wherever. If they want to find where they can get the wine, they can email me directly. And I love talking to people. I know you do. And you did a great job today, Wes. I really appreciate it. We are so out of time here. So I'm going to have to say goodbye. Many thanks to our sponsor, Total Wine and More. You will never find a greater selection of wine in one place. It's just totally and utterly amazing. If you want to become more familiar with them, go to TotalWine.com. We'll be back here same time next week on this same channel with more Grape Encounters. Look forward to talking to you then.